Hey everybody, this is Pastor Cor Chavis. Thank you so much for checking us out today at Truth Chapel's podcast. If this word has blessed your spirit or encouraged you, take a moment and leave us a quick review. Also, check us out at truth-chapel.com or any of our social media outlets, Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. God bless, and I pray you enjoy. Man, today I'm going to begin a series that will lead us into Easter Sunday, and I'm going to teach a series on the cross, the grave, and the resurrection. The cross, the grave, and the resurrection. If you have ever wondered what the gospel is, the gospel is the good news of the death, the burial, and the resurrection. And so I want to for the today, next Sunday, which will be Palm Sunday and the Sunday after, I want to connect with you on these three topics, the cross, the grave, and the resurrection. Today I'm going to deal with the cross. Oh, how beautiful that cross. Oh, how lovely that cross. Oh, how painful that cross. Oh, how horrific that cross. And oh, how wonderful that cross. I want to turn your attention very quickly to the book of John chapter 3. John 3. I will read several scriptures today, but I want to read, I want to begin here at a moment of um, parable, but also insinuation by Jesus as uh, Jesus is speaking. And uh, in this story, I will read and then I will kind of bring some of this story to head, but I want to read for you John chapter 3 beginning in verse 11. When you have it, just say, I got it. It says, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, we speak that we do not, we do know and testify that we have seen, and ye receive not our witness. If I have told you earthly things and ye believe not, how shall ye believe if I tell you heavenly things? And no man hath ascended up to heaven. But he that came down from heaven, even the Son of Man, which is in heaven. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whatsoever or whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have eternal life. Now here's where we, we all could quote it together. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Amen. Can we pray, Lord? I thank you for your word today. Thank you for this time together. I thank you for what we feel here, and I believe that what we feel is about to carry over into the word today. And I pray, Lord, that you would help us to not only be hearers of the word, but that you would help us be doers of the word also. And I'll be careful to give you the praise and glory. And someone shout in Jesus' name, amen. And you may be seated in the presence of Almighty God. The story in John 3, I know I'm preaching about the cross today, and, and, and I'm going to get there, but I'm going to take a little detour because... I need us to all understand what this moment really means uh, prophetically, biblically, literally, um, and because I want to bring out to you the concept of the cross and why this thing. 
And in John chapter 3, uh, we are all so very familiar with John 3.16. We see it, people get it tattooed on their hands, people put it on the back of their cars, they wear wristbands. Uh, John 3.16 is one of the most known and quoted scriptures in all of Christendom. It is, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever shall believe in him should not perish but have everlasting life. That is uh, a scripture there for John chapter 3 and verse 16. What you have to understand is that this is a conversation that Jesus is having with a man named Nicodemus. Nicodemus was a ruler of the Jews. The Bible tells us this at the beginning of John chapter 3. And he comes to Jesus by night. He don't want nobody to know he's here. He's on that special assignment. He wants to talk to Jesus, but he don't want none of his friends to know that he's talking to Jesus. He, he has questions, and not only him, but he's coming also as kind of like an ambassador for the other Pharisees and Sadducees who have questions as well. There's more people that have questions, but uh, they've sent Nicodemus to, to be the one to break the news, to be the one to say, hey, what, what's going on here? And so Nicodemus comes by night, and he says to him, Rabbi, which is to say teacher, and he says, uh, we know, we know. We, we, we've been talking. We know that you are a teacher sent from God. We know this. Uh, for nobody can do the miracles that you do. And uh, the only way that you could do what you're doing is if God be with you. Jesus answered, he said, except the man be born again, to the king, uh, born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. This is, uh, um, I, I've talked about this before here at Truth Chapel. This is such an abrupt switch in the conversation and now I, I like if you think about the, the the word of God in a literal sense put yourself here put yourself here in this maybe this is a small garden that they're meeting in sitting at a small table maybe they're having some tea I don't know it's in the middle of the night maybe they're sitting on a rooftop having a conversation no one's there it's just two people and and Nicodemus is is coming to Jesus and he wants to preface his conversation with Jesus by saying Man, we know that you are of God. Like, like we get it. No one can do what you're doing and be from Satan, as people were trying to say at the time. People were trying to say that, oh, this man is, is, is evil. That, that this Jesus who's doing these miracles, he's evil. But they were saying, man, like, look, look, we know like two plus two is making four. You are from God. Now, he didn't know he was talking to God manifest in the flesh. But he says, uh, we know that, that you are from God. Jesus doesn't answer his question. He doesn't say, well, thank you for thinking that. He doesn't say, well, you know, I appreciate y'all saying that. Or he doesn't even elaborate on Nicodemus's question. And I believe there's a reason for this. Because when Jesus speaks, he doesn't say, well, man, you know, I am, uh, you know, God incarnate. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. How sayest thou then? Show us the Father. He will say this to other people as the New Testament continues to go on. We see that Jesus will identify himself numerous times as I am the I am. And the book of John is very clear in taking that I am all the way back from Exodus 3 when Moses stood by that burning bush and he says, who shall I say sent me? And God speaks to him and says, I am. 
that I am that we see there is the name that cannot be pronounced, the Y-H-W-H. But when you add the, the E for Elohim and the A for Adonai, you get a word called Yahweh. Anybody ever heard of the word Yahweh? Okay, Yahweh is the old name of God. And so in the book of John, every time Jesus says, I am, it is literally an old scripture from Exodus chapter 3. That same Yahweh, the Y-H-W-H, the name that cannot be pronounced unless you add the A for Adonai, the E for Elohim. So what, what John is trying to bring out and show us is that the Jesus sitting in front of Nicodemus is the same God burning in that bush. Oh, hallelujah. Listen, this is one of my favorite topics, so I'll get lost in this. But let me continue with my, my message today. He says to him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus ain't talking about being born again. Nicodemus not talking about salvation. Nicodemus is saying, like, we get it. We know that you are of God. But Jesus is not speaking to Nicodemus's political, driven question. He is responding to what he sees in Nicodemus's soul. That the soul of man is crying out for a savior. There is a question here. We just don't hear it. Nicodemus is saying with his mouth, hey, look, I want to preface this conversation by letting you know we cool. We on your side. We know that you are from God. But Jesus does not respond to his question. He responds to the spirit of the man inside of Nicodemus. And he says, you cannot even see the kingdom of God unless you be born again. Nicodemus says, how can a man be born again when he is old? Shall he enter again into his mother's womb the second time and be born? And he said, no, except a man be born of water and of spirit. Somebody say water and spirit. He cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I say unto thee, ye must be born again. The wind bloweth where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof, but you can't really tell where it came from. And it goeth, and, 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 and you don't really know where it went. The spirit is the same. The spirit is like, you can't, it's not tangible, it's not touchable. It comes and goes, and, 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 and no, man, no man knows where it goes, and no man knows where it comes from. And Nicodemus says, I, I'm sure if, if I could put myself in this situation, Nicodemus' mind is completely blown. This has went from a conversation that Nicodemus wanted to have with Jesus to a salvational message. And Nicodemus says, how, how can these things be? How is this going to happen? How can these things be? How can a man be born again of water and of spirit? How is this going to come about? How can these things be? What are you talking about? How is this going to become reality? I mean, I, I hear what you're saying, but it makes no sense to me right now. See, I want to I speak to some people in this room today who maybe this is kind of your first time being at church. And look, welcome, and we're so glad to have you, and we're sorry if we scared you. Some of y'all been scared for a long time. You've been, you've been watching online. You've been hearing about stuff. Y'all, these folks is crazy. Listen, ain't no snakes coming out here. No, no time. If somebody brings a snake out here, I'm the first one. I'm leaving with you, all right? We're not crazy. We're not, we're not wild. We're just born again. And, and, and a lot of us, most of us, we've been through some junk. And God kept us through that junk. And we're just happy to be here, okay? So we're not, it's not a cult. I mean, there's no Kool-Aid after the service. There's no, it's, we're not, when, when, we, we, we got Bible. We got Bible 
for about 90% of everything we do. And the ten, the, the, that last 10% is a really good guess. And we are uh, living on the side of caution and not the side of error. So that's, that's, a, that's a real quick definition of who we are, okay? We, we're not wild and we're not crazy. Nicodemus is sitting here looking at God. He, he, he doesn't know it, but he's looking at God manifesting the flesh. And he's saying, like, I don't get this. How can these things be? I don't understand this. I want to let you know, if you're in this house today and you don't understand this, man, good for you. That's awesome. That, that, listen, if you understand that you don't understand, that's so good. So what, Pastor, what do you mean that's good? It's, it's good because you have no preconceived idea. God wants to show you something today that will change your life forever. And it's, and it's good to realize, you know what, I don't really know all of this. And so if I realize that I don't really know all of this, it creates in me a curiosity to know all of this. And so maybe you are the Nicodemus who showed up today just saying, what is all this about? And, and now that I say you must be born again of water and spirit, and now that I say you must be born again, you got to be born again, and we're living in a world who tells us that if you're born that way, it's okay. I'm just born that way. And, and you know what? That's fine. But Jesus said you got to be born again. You may have been born that way, but God wants you to be born again. There's a new birth revelation coming. And just like Nicodemus sitting here saying, how can these things be? How will this come to pass? Now Jesus answered and said unto him, Art thou a master of Israel and knowest not these things? You should know this because it's back in the old prophets. They prophesied this. They prophesied this. He said, Verily I say unto thee, We speak that we do know and testify what we have seen. We know what we're talking about, but you don't receive our witness. We know it and we've seen it, but you don't receive our witness. And if I told you earthly things, and you can't believe the earthly stuff. How can I explain to you heavenly things and you not understand it? No man hath ascended into heaven, but he that came down from heaven, me, even the son of man which is in heaven. Ain't nobody been up there. I just came down. Yeah. Anybody that says, well, I, the Lord took me to heaven. That's a lie. It's, it, listen, if you want to see people who think they went to heaven, just go, just go Google it. There's about 1,700 books of people that think they went to heaven. No, you had a real bad dream or you had an outer body experience and, and, and you saw some stuff that, that maybe you thought was heaven. And if you had a great experience, that's fantastic because heaven is awesome. And if you had an awesome experience, that's cool. I, I'm down with it. However, no man hath ascended into heaven at any time. Nobody went there. But he said, I came down. I'm here. But watch what he says. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. Why would he say this here? Number one, we all know that the serpent is bad news. Matter of fact, your Bible starts with a serpent. That's how your Bible, listen, we in this mess because <laughs> of a serpent. This is why we're here, because there was a serpent in the garden who was slick willy and talked Eve into eating a tree that God told her not to eat because he came against God's word and convinced her that God didn't know what he was talking about. 
you know better than God. Anybody feel that way in uh, 2022 that the world is trying to get us to realize that we know better than God? Who cares what the church says? Who cares what the Bible says? If it feels good to you, it must be okay because you know better than God. Follow your heart. Don't worry about the word. Follow your heart. And you'll follow your heart right off a cliff. The Bible tells us in Proverbs, he who follows his heart is a fool. Don't follow your heart. Follow the word. And so the enemy, he got that word misconstrued and messed Eve up. And now, Eve, now we're here because of a serpent. And why would Jesus talking to Nicodemus? And Nicodemus is saying, look, man, this is crazy. How is this going to happen? He goes to Nicodemus. He says, just like Moses lifted up that serpent in the wilderness. Now, see, he's talking to a Pharisee who is a master of Old Testament doctrine. When he says the word Moses, this, this, this guy, this guy who is a Pharisee, who has literally spent his entire life reading the Torah, which this is in the, the book of Numbers, the stories in the book of Numbers, he, he automatically connects with this moment. Because in the book of Numbers, if you ever want to go read it, because I preach for two things, conviction and curiosity, so let me tell you about curiosity. Go read Numbers chapter 21. And, and, and the Bible says that, that God brought the people of Israel out, and he, he listened to them, and he delivered the Canaanites into their hand, and they called that place Horma, which means devotion. God, we're devoted to you because you gave us so much. We are devoted to you because you gave the Canaanites. Lord, we love you, and we're devoted to you. And the Bible says, and they journeyed from Mount Hor by the way of the Red Sea to compass the land of Edom. And the soul of the people was much discouraged because of the way. They were happy when God gave them the, the, the battle over the Canaanites, but when God told them to walk this way, they didn't like it. All they wanted God for is to win battles. They didn't want God to show them how to walk. Ain't nobody want to talk back to the preacher on a Sunday morning. They said, God, all we want you to for is to make things good for us, make things easy for us, make things comfortable for us, but we don't want you messing with our lives and telling us how to live. And so as they, as they went the way, they spake against God and they spake against Moses. And they said, this man done brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness for there's no bread. There's no water. Watch this. And our soul loatheth this light bread. This is in Numbers 21. And that verse, if you want to go look it up for yourself, that verse is verse number 5. Our soul loatheth this light bread. I, I, I hate this manna. We just, every day, just one day, day at a time. I hate that just barely surviving. They spoke against God's provision. They were angry. And he said, God, I, man, I, I hate this for Taurus. I wish I had a, a beamer. Man, I hate this old rinky-dink one-bedroom apartment. I wish, come on, God. Lord, I'm tired of being single. I'm tired of this light bread. <laughs> I'm tired of the way you got me walking. I don't like to walk this way. I don't like this. They, they started talking against God and God's man, God's government. They, they, they were angry. And the Bible says that God sent fiery serpents in among them, and the serpents bit them, and many died. And the Bible says they came to Moses and they said, Moses, we sinned. You think so? Surprise, surprise, surprise. Oh, we done messed up, Lord. Yeah. Normally people start coming to God when they mess up. 
And that's totally fine. Because God has an answer for those that come when they mess up. God don't turn you away. That's the church's job. The church's job is to be, no, it ain't either. Some of y'all was like, that's right. Oh, no, no, no. That's not right. That's not the church's job. We can't turn folks away. Well, I know what they did. So and God knows what you did. You want him to put you on blast tomorrow? Because he can. He, he, was, he was standing over your shoulder when you was doing all that dirt. You just didn't get caught. The difference between you and them is they got caught. I got three people clapping. Listen, he said, Lord, we, we messed up. And Moses went to the Lord and said, God, get it. Help, help the people. Help the people. They, they done messed up. Lord, help them. And God said, listen, I want you to make a serpent that looks just like the serpent that I sent among them. And I want you to make, make a serpent out of brass. And I want you to put it on a stick. And I want you to lift that, lift that brass serpent above the people. And everyone who looks at the, if they get bit by the serpent, all they got to do is look up to the serpent hanging on the tree. And as they see him, they will be healed. They'll be saved from their wound. So, me and you, we're looking at this from a serpent concept. We're saying, this, this serpent, in the mind of Nicodemus, he knows this story inside and out. And he says, as Moses lifted up that serpent in the wilderness, even so, must the Son of Man be lifted up? We hear him say this later on in the New Testament when he says to his disciples, If I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. Just like when people looked at the serpent, which was, which was the cause of their demise, when they look at it and they believe on it, they'll be healed. When they see it, listen, there is no way for you to be saved without believing in the cross. We must be able to see the cross in the fulfillment of what God intended it to be. When we see him on that cross, we know that he died for our sins. Just like it was a serpent which led them to destruction. It was a serpent that was lifted up. But in God's eyes, it was never a serpent. It was always a man. We look at the serpent, but God looked at the man. The serpent was possessed by the devil. But that man and woman made a decision. And it's because of that man and woman that we are, have all been bitten by the evil mouth of sin. We have all sinned and come short of the glory of God. And just like sin, here's what the Bible will tell us later on in the New Testament. He said, under one man, sin came in. One man. He didn't say one serpent. He said one man. He said, just like one man, under one man, sin entered the earth. He said, but there will be one man who will rid the world of sin. You know what our problem is today? It's this old dirty rotten flesh. Flesh got us in this problem. But when we look to Jesus, the flesh. Oh, hallelujah. Flesh got us in this mess. It was this old dirty rotten man that got me in all the trouble that I got in. 
You can sit around and blame the devil all you want to, but you know you made decisions all by yourself. The devil never possessed Adam and he never possessed Eve. He convinced Adam and he convinced Eve. They were never possessed. They were convinced. And it was the flesh of man that brought us all sin. And so Jesus said, if I be lifted up, everyone who was bitten by that sin can look to that man hanging on the cross. The cross. It was at the cross, at the cross where I first saw the light and the burdens of my heart rolled away. It was there by faith I received my sight and now I am happy all the day. Can I tell you, Nicodemus is understanding that the Son of Man must be lifted up just like that serpent, that serpent was lifted up so that all that looked to him for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son what to be to be lifted up the cross is a view we must see the cross we must believe that Jesus died for our sin if you're sitting in this room today and you've never heard the story of Jesus Christ let me tell you that God was manifest in the flesh dwelt among us, walked among us. His name, God gave him a name that was above every name. His name was Jesus. He lived on this earth for 33 years, did many signs, many wonderful works, many miracles. He opened the blinded eyes, but that's not why he came. He raised the dead, but that's not why he came. He walked on water, but that's not why he came. He gave hope to the hopeless, but that's not why he came. The Bible says that he told his disciples, I came for this reason to be destroyed. He was not here to be popular. He was here to be a sacrifice. He was the lamb slain from the foundation of the earth. He was the lamb slain from the foundation of the earth. He's what the prophet Isaiah told us about. He, the, the prophet Isaiah told us uh, that unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders. He will, shall be bruised for my iniquities, uh, and by his stripes uh, I shall be healed. The cross is pain. The cross is suffering. The cross is laying down one's life. He said, no man takes my life. No man takes my life. But I willingly lay it down for a world that needs it. By one man, sin entered this earth. By one man, sin caused us all to be born into sin and shaped in iniquity. But by one man and one man only, sin was eradicated on this earth. When the blood of Jesus fell to the ground on that cross, there was hope again. I know this is elementary for most of you in this room. For most of you sitting in this room, you're thinking, man, I wish Pastor was preaching something different today. I wish there was something more, more awesome today. But if you could ever really see the cross like you should see the cross, you still wouldn't be in your seat today. 
if you could ever see the cross like you really need to see the cross. To us, this is mundane preaching. To us, this is just normal every Sunday stuff. But can I tell you, the cross is where your hope is. The cross is where your life changed. The cross saved you. The cross brought you out. The cross redeemed you. If it wasn't for the cross, there would be no Pentecost. I know some of y'all happy that you got the Holy Ghost and you spoke in tongues when the Holy Ghost came. But can I tell you, there would be no cross. There would be no Pentecost. If there wasn't a cross, there had to be blood shed. For without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. I know, I know that it's that it's that it's not cool preaching. I know that it's not, oh, this is really awesome, but can I tell you that's what he said in Corinthians, first Corinthians chapter one. And he, he said in verse 18, for the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us that are being saved. It is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, and I will bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of the world? Hath not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For after that in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. For the Jews require a sign and the Greeks seek after wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified. We preach Christ crucified. We preach Christ crucified unto the Jews a stumbling block. And unto the Greeks this is foolishness. But unto them that are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. Because the foolishness of God is wiser than men. And the weakness of God is stronger than men. For ye see your calling, brethren, how that many not wise are called. Not after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. But God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. And God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty. Yeah. That's why it seems like foolishness today to talk about a cross that was elevated over 2,000 years ago. Foolishness today to talk about a man who would lay down his life for a friend, a world of friends. A multitude of friends, an endless list of friends. For this promise is unto you and unto your children and to those that, uh, as many as the Lord our God shall call, those that are far off. This is where we find our glory. I know today that I'm preaching to people who may be lost and, and, and may not understand all of this. But I need you to know that Christ died on a cross for you. Listen, and really all he had to do was die. All he had to do was die. Really, at the end of the day, the only, the, the only thing he had to do for, for your sin to be eradicated was die. That's all he had to do. But do you know the cross is much more than death? He was scourged. They beat him with a cat of nine tails. 39 lashes. They beat the meat off his back. He didn't have to do that. He didn't have to do that. That's not a part of it. You, you can go all the way back into Jewish culture. You can go all the way back to the first sacrifice. There was no torturing of the sacrifice. There was no beating of the lamb. We didn't slap the lamb around before we sacrificed it. We didn't kick it around and talk trash about it. We didn't mock the lamb. We didn't all sit around and go, bah, bah. We didn't do that. That, that. That's not a part of sacrificial culture. But he said, I was wounded for your transgressions. 
Listen, all I, all I needed to do was take away your sin. But the stripes on my back were so that you could be healed. Listen, the chastisement of your peace, they put on me. Listen, all I had to do was save your soul, but I wanted to come and save your mind as well. All I had to do was save your soul, but I wanted to heal your body as well. All I had to do was die so that you could live again. But I came and they wounded me so that you could walk in peace. They beat me and they mocked me so that you could live in happiness. Can I preach to somebody right now who's walking in depression, living in depression, dealing with suicidal tendencies? When Christ died on that cross, he died for your peace. the cross after cross where I first saw the light. It was the cross that saved my mind. It was the cross that healed my body. It was the cross that brought me out of darkness into this marvelous light. Thank God for the cross. And you know what today? You ain't got to do nothing fancy other than look up to that cross and see that man, that man who represents the manhood, who represents man, who put us in this mess in the first place just look up to that man and see him hanging there see the blood pouring down his face see the wounds in his side when they stabbed him see him in all of his glory he said I'm getting the glory out of this I'm getting the glory out of this I'm getting the glory out of this When I glory, I don't glory in myself. I glory in the cross. What you see today is an exact replication of the cross. What you see today is because of the cross. Paul said it in Galatians chapter 6 and verse 14. He said, but God forbid that I should glory save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ by whom the world is crucified unto me and I unto the world. He said, I don't glory in nothing but the cross. This is the cross. He was wounded at the cross. He was bruised at the cross. He was tormented at the cross. They stripped him naked. He was humiliated. They humiliated him. In front of all those women, in front of all those men, in front of his own mother, defenseless. He could have called down thousands of angels. He could have just said, no. And every Roman soldier would have died of a heart attack immediately. He could have said, no. And the hammer would have turned into jello. He could have said, no. And the whip would have turned into a thousand doves and flew away. All he had to do was say no. All he had to do was walk away. All he had to do, when you see him, you can't just see him on that cross. You have to see him allowing himself to be beaten. 30 Nine lashes they put on him the whole time he was thinking about you sitting in a church in Loganville, Georgia in 2022 with cancer in your body. And he said, I can't get off this whipping post because I'm going to heal their cancer today. He said, I can't get off this whipping post. I can't, I, can't, I can't say no right now because there's somebody sitting in the room with diabetes and I'm going to heal them today. I can't, I can't, I'm, 
by my stripes ye are healed. You're healed. He wanted you to be healed so bad, he let him whip him. He wanted you to be free so bad, he let him push that crown of thorns out on his head. Pushing it into his scalp, pushing it into his mind. He, he could have said, no! They all would have disappeared. But he let it happen. He let it happen. He let them do it. They slapped him. They hit him with a stick and they said, who hit you? Tell us, prophesy to us. Ha, ha, ha. He could have, he could have just walked away. We know it was in him. We know that the thought of walking away was in him. We know it because in that garden when he prayed, he said, Lord, let this cup pass from me. Let it go. I don't want to do this. If there's any way, if there's another way, if there's any way, read it for yourself. When he prayed in the garden, he said, Lord, if there's any other way, let this cup pass from me. He said, nevertheless, not what I will, but what you will. We know, we know it was in We know that he struggled with the idea of letting them, letting them kick him, letting them beat him, letting them drive them nails in his hands and in his feet. Knowing that his life was leaving, suffocating, as, as, as crucifixion was a horrible way to die. Because when you, when you were crucified, you, you died from asphyxiation. Not, not being able to hold yourself up, your, your diaphragm would crush down on your lungs. Your rib cage would push down on your, diaphra your diaphragm and your lungs. And, and after a while, your, your oxygen levels would, would, would continue to lower slowly. Un until after a while, you just passed out because you had no more oxygen in your blood and then after a few more minutes maybe 30 45 minutes you would finally expire and you would pass away it would take hours for this to happen Jesus didn't hang on that cross for just a few minutes he hung there for hours and finally when they could not when, when they could not get him to die they, they they broke the legs of the two thieves so they would die more quickly but when they came to Jesus he was already gone can you imagine hanging there not being able to breathe, but knowing you had the power to just say, oh, that's it, I can't do it. Ever been trapped underwater, couldn't breathe? And you came out so fast, your, your, your body just made you survive. She would push himself up, gasping that last breath, this is the cross. You say, Pastor Timothy, this sounds horrific, and it is. It was. It was horrific. It was awful. His mother had to watch him die like that. His friends had to watch him die like that. As he called out, to, to watch it would be awful. But to hear him cry out, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? him cry those words it must have put such a, a pressure on people watching this to do something to say something take him down it's enough it's enough 
that cross had to be born. As he hung there, breathing his last few breaths, he says, Father, forgive them. They don't even understand what they're doing. They don't even understand that they're doing exactly what needs to be done. As he breathed his last breath, he died. Jesus died. Next week I'll talk about the grave, but I'm not going to go there just yet. Today I want you to leave this house realizing this. I think sometimes that we preach past the cross and it gives us that level of relief and we're like, oh man, he's, he's alive, we're good. But today I want you to leave with this thought in mind, he died. The life was crushed out of him. The oxygen was pushed out of his body. He died. You need to know today that he died. No more life, gone. When he died, no one knew he was coming back. No one knew. He had told them, but they didn't believe it. For them, death was final. When he died, his mother wept. Her son, not, not, not just her son. No, this is the baby she carried that had no daddy. This is the baby she carried, and people looked and pointed and laughed and questioned, called her integrity into concept. This is the baby that she, she cared. She cried. She didn't know he was going to live again. She wept. She lost her baby boy. It was not just the suffering of one man, but it was the suffering of a whole people. His disciples were broken. We've lost him. What will we do now? Not only were they broken, they were terrified. Look what they did to him. My God, what are they going to do to us? They're coming for us now. They went and hid. And all he had to do was say, no, stop. Could have called down the legion of angels. And we, sometimes I think that we don't even think about the angels who were standing at the ready, swords drawn, not being able to have any emotion. But I promise you the angelic tears may have been flowing down their faces. As they watch their God. Release us. Let, us. let us fight for you. Let us fight for you. Why would you let them do that? Why? Why would you leave this your throne in glory? To do this. As they stood waiting for the call. Waiting for the come now. There was no answer. He let his eyes be shut. He let his heart stop beating. Finality. Life gone. When his heart stopped and the blood stopped coursing through his veins, when it stopped, the earth stood still. It was noon, the sixth hour of the day. The Jewish day starts at 6 a.m., sunrise. So it's noon, the sixth hour of the day. Noon, the brightest time of day. It just gets dark all of a sudden. If you ever want to do a really cool study, just go back in Jewish lore. Even, even Orthodox Jews who do not believe that Jesus was God, they still have in their annuals of time, their history, the day that Jesus died. 
and it is recorded. It is recorded in their own books that at the sixth hour of the day, 12 noon, that there was a sudden, unexplainable darkness that fell on Jerusalem. The earthquake is recorded. To this day, the earthquake is still recorded. The earth trembled under their feet. What is happening? The Roman soldier who had just drove a nail in his hand not just a couple hours before falls on his knees, rips his helmet off and says, Surely! Surely this was the Son of God. Surely. Oh, hallelujah. Could it be that the first convert was the guy who just got through killing them? When his heart stopped, life started. When his heart stopped. When his heart stopped, the Jews who were working in the temple, the, the instruments in the temple began to shake and to quake. The water and the labor began to splash around. And the veil was torn. As if a man had took his hands. He died. He's gone. Your Savior died for you today. And I don't care what you walked into this building with. He died for you. See, Pastor Chavis, I'm, I'm, I'm a drug. I'm, I'm, I'm stretched out on drugs. I'm, I'm messed up. He died for you. I'm lost in all kind of sin, all kind of, all kind of pornography, all kind of debauchery. I, I, I'm, I'm so tore up. I don't know where I'm coming or going. He died for you. You say, Pastor, I'm a, I'm a saint of God, but I just can't get right. He died for you. I've been coming for a long time, Pastor, but I tell you, I just, I just fall into the same junk over and over and over again. He died for you. He shed his blood for you. He gave his life for you at the cross, at the cross. Oh, the beauty of that moment and the beauty of that time. You got to look past the blood and the guts. You got to look past the hurt and the pain. And you got to see a God who was willing to lay down his life so that I could live again. they raised him up from the earth it was prophetic I can see Moses finally getting that brass serpent finished and lifting it and I can see those Roman soldiers at the same time the two things happening simultaneously lifting for the world to see look to the cross look today if you don't know Everything about what I'm talking about, that's totally fine. Just look to the cross. So I'm not really a Christian. That's fine too. Look to the cross. I, I don't really know about all this, this church stuff. Look to the cross. I wonder today if just by a sign, you would stand on your feet and you would just lift your eyes all across this building. Would you do that right now with me? It's just a sign. Most of the time at the end of a service like this, I say, stand to your feet and bow your head. But today I want you to see it. Would you stand to your feet and would you lift your eyes? Would you imagine that heel? You know what that heel was called? It's called Calvary. You know what Calvary means in its original term? 
It means cranios. Crani where we get our word cranium. It really means the place of the cranium, the place of the skull. He was crucified so that he could heal your head, your mind. The crucifixion. You have to see it. See it in your mind's eye. He knew that most people who he would save would never actually see that heal. So he put it in your mind. Do you see it? That little mound, probably only about 40 or 30 yards high, really. Not, 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 not really a mountain, so to speak, just a hill where they would carry them up to. Imagine you're in the crowd. Imagine you're standing out in the crowd. He's naked. He's bleeding. And he's dead. And you feel the pressure and the weight of glory settle on you. You feel something start happening inside of you. You, you can't understand. Surely this, this is the Son of God. Surely. Surely this was the King of the Jews. Surely this was Him. Surely. Can you see Him? Come on, forget about your stuff. Forget about your stuff. Just look to Him. Forget about your issues. Just look to Him. Uh, there ain't nothing that you've ever done that cannot be cured by that view. There's no sickness you'll ever have that cannot be healed by that view. There is no pain you will ever feel that cannot be bombed by that view. There is no darkness. There is no depression. There is no anxiety that can fight the power of that view. Can you see it? Can you see that cross? Now, I'm going to do something a little special here today. If you're in this room and, you, and you're not a follower of Christ, you don't, you don't follow him, you, you're not really what would consider maybe a Christian, maybe you're in this room and, and, you, and you never really made a, a, a decision or never even really believed, you say, I, I hear it, but I just don't understand it. If you're here today and, and you fall into that category, I would love for you to come to this altar. All, all across this room, listen, you don't have to be ashamed. You don't have to be, they're going to talk about me. They're going to look at me funny. Listen, we, we'll put all that up. If you're here today and you're not a follower of Christ and you've never really made a decision to live for him, I want you to come. come to this I pray this word was an encouragement to you today. Thank you again for tuning in to Truth Chapel's podcast. If you have not yet, please take a moment and leave us a quick review. God bless and have a great rest of your day.